Hi, my name is Rohit, and this is the Vulnerable Healing Network. My name is Dr. Aisha, and I'm so excited that you've joined us today. We have a really interesting and probably really um, timely topic for you today. We're going to be talking about self-love, what it is, what it's not, and everything in between. So Rohit and I are so happy to join you, and uh, we'd love to share our insights about self-love and how it can help you um, discover it for yourself. Aisha, I think there's a lot of confusion around the topic of self-love, and a lot of people have lots of different ideas. A lot of folks think it's going to save their relationship. They think that it's going to make them somehow a better person, that they're more equipped to be in love and maybe stay in love. But I wonder, is that really true? Well, I think right now it's a huge buzzword, right? Everyone's kind of on this like self-love uh, wagon, which is which is good. We want people to have self-love and we want people to have acceptance of themselves. But I love what you just said, Rohit. Is it actually going to help people or is this just something that's temporary or one more thing to fix? Because once we start thinking about, hey, if I can get this, then I'll be happy. Or if I can become better or improve myself, then my relationship will work. Well, I'm not sure if that really actually works. So that's why we're going to kind of delve into this topic and look at what self real what self love really is and what it's not. So I want to start with you, Rohit. What do you think self love actually is, and what are some things that it may not be? I don't know if I'm the right person to ask because I have an extremely different take on self love. And I think that if I present it to you, you might find yourself wondering, what's this all about? What's this got to do with? But let me, let me, let me kind of walk in there for a minute. See, the traditional idea of self-love is that we're going to love ourselves by pampering ourselves. I'm going to go for some massages. I'm going to get myself some, do some shopping. I'm going to do some things that I enjoy, maybe go on a hike, maybe hang out with my friends, maybe get my nails done or get some, you know, just stuff like that, right? And pampering is kind of the, the word I, I use. Not that there's anything wrong in pampering, but is that love? If, if all you did was pamper someone who you love. If all you did was take a child, let's say you raise a child and all you gave them was candies and you gave them everything that they wanted, would that be love? Is that a nurturing way? If you gave your body that, is that necessarily what's good for you? I have a question with that. What do you think, Aisha? Yeah, I love that that question that you raised, especially when you took it back to the child, right? Would we raise our children and think that love is just giving them what they want? Um, and I think there's a part of us that's also very childlike, right? We usually, we just call it the ego. And I always say that, you know, you're not going to take life advice or relationship advice from a two-year-old. And that's what I sometimes see the ego behaving as a small child. And so if I asked myself when I was raising my children, what did they want for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And it was usually something that was sugar or fried or unhealthy. And of course, I had to rise above that and give them something that was healthy and nourishing and actually good for them. They may not have liked it in the present, but they actually grew healthier and had better habits in the long term. So I would say the same thing for us, that self-love is often looking at the things that we have not really reflected on, seeing patterns that are unhealthy. And instead of pampering, it's actually more about taking an honest look at what are what we need, not always what we want, but what we need for us to actually be healthier and happier. I love the point you're making because it sounds like our first impulse when we talk about self-love or we talk about love in general 
is we go towards the child state. We go towards what and how how we were as children. And interestingly enough, it seems to be what's happening. In, I, I see this in relationships as well. I see people fall in love with someone and then they call each other baby. And it's like we <laughs> go to this infantile state. And in that infantile state, what's interesting is we then hold somebody else in a very high state. So it might be that, you know... Um, we're holding that person in the state like our mother or our father. Now, I'm not saying that's literally what we do or consciously what we do, but we somehow want to adore them. We want to put them on a pedestal. You know how the reality is? Reality is kind of a bummer. <laughs> Nobody, we, when we put people on pedestals, they usually come crashing down and we start to see their flaws and then gradually we get disillusioned and then we you know, lose. So I think we, we, start, we do this to ourselves as well. Is that possible? Absolutely. I resonate with what you said because I think as children, we need to see our parents as these superheroes or super figures, right? They have to be uh, absolutely perfect because our survival depends on it, right? Imagine if as a child, and I love the saying, right, that we are all raised by giants because as a child, that's what they look like. But here's the sad part. They're unconscious giants, they're walking around with all of their own pain, their flaws, all of their issues, but we need them to be perfect. That's the illusion so that we will survive, so that we will thrive. And we're almost always disappointed. And then we put that same, we project those same issues onto our partners when we fall into love or we get into these intimate relationships. Because it's almost like, well, what, whatever didn't work for me from a parent figure, well, perhaps I can find the healing through my partner. And so we have this repetition compulsion and we continue to do the same thing that we did as children, this um, standard of perfectionism that is absolutely impossible for anyone to meet. And we put it on from first to our, on our caregivers and then we put it on often onto our partners. And the result is almost always disappointment. Is that possible that we are then doing that to ourselves? Is, is that how we're starting to see self-love? Okay, we go through the pampering phase of self-love, but then we come to the next phase where we start idealizing ourselves. And maybe that's what we're seeing in Instagram and in places like that where we see this whole big rise of narcissism amongst people thinking that that's self-love, to, mm. to, to think of myself as this most incredible and special and wonderful being. And now we're sort of prancing around in this you know, euphoric state. Have we now put ourselves on pedestals? <laughs> and, but, but then we're living with, with a crazy dichotomy because on one hand, our mind criticizes and judges us. And on the other hand, we want to portray ourselves as these incredible beings, which are we? Are we not? Like, where is, where, how, how do you balance this thing out? Well, I think you brought up a great point about this whole narcissism because we're seeing so much of that. And the more we move towards narcissism, we're actually moving away from authenticity. We're moving away from our real selves because narcissism, I always say, it, it feels to me like living in a glass house because your entire idea of yourself will come crashing down if someone throws a pebble or god forbid a rock towards your glass house right you don't have the strength to actually handle it so um narcissism to me feels very much like 
a lack of real self-worth and a lack of accepting yourself and having to portray this. And I know that I've struggled with this. I know a lot of people that I've, my clients I've worked with have struggled with this, especially as women today, perfectionism has become the standard because, you know, everything that we see on Instagram, it's not real life. It's the, it's real life, right? Like it's the film life. And um, I remember once I was telling um, a group of people this, I said, you know, I put a photo on Instagram on Mother's Day of me and my daughter. And it was like a simple photo of her giving me a little kiss on the cheek and something like, you know, happy Mother's Day, mom, she posted on her Instagram. But what no one really knew was that that photo took about 25 shots, maybe 24, 26, something like that. But it was basically, oh, the wind's blowing. Oh, no, don't kiss me too. Oh, my eyes were closed. Oh, your eyes were closed. And we laughed. We had a great time. But the point is, it was not reality, not even the closest thing to reality. And yet we put it on there as though that was our real life. And so we keep looking at other people thinking they have this perfect life. They keep looking at us thinking there's a perfect life that we have. And none of that is true. So that narcissism grows just to keep up with each other's false identities and false personas. And it becomes I think way too big for us to try to back away from. And so self-love gets further and further and further away, the real self-love. So then we're looking at something that is neither about pampering, nor is it about projecting some ideal myth about ourselves, as you said in that wonderful example of your daughter and yourself. Um, but it's about getting real about something. But how do I get real about myself when I'm so flawed. Like, I, I mean, I'm full of flaws personally. I, I make mistakes all the time. I screw up. I, I've, I've spent a lifetime doing that. I've never got better. It hasn't happened. I mean, I might have improved in some area, then I, I get worse in another area. You know, you start to do something and you're not good at it. And so you know how we struggle with stuff. You get into relationships, you mess up. I, I mean, <laughs> there, has, there has never been a time when I haven't messed up. So I have had to face the bottom line of my existence, of my life, is that, you know, according to some people, I'm a mess up. Some people would look at those, at my flaws and say, you screwed up, man. You just, you, you'll never get it together because they have these absolutist visions. So how do we resolve that between this idea of self-love and this idea of the fact that we're flawed and no matter how much makeup you put on or how much you, do, you know, may take 25 shots, as you said, to make that picture look perfect, you know inside what you really are. And no matter how much you try to portray a different image outside, the mask always appears hollow inside you know there's somebody living in there that doesn't quite live up to all of that. So where can we find the balance and what really is the secret of self-love? That's what's on my mind. Hmm, that's a beautiful question. So one thing I wanted to share was when you said, I mess up, I'm a mess up, I am flawed, I make mistakes. I mean, I resonate with that. I imagine people watching or listening would also resonate with that. That's the truth of who we are. And yet we all want unconditional love. I've yet to meet a single person who says, oh, no, no, I want love that's conditional from my partner or from my kids or from my parents, from family, society. We all want unconditional love. So what does that mean? Love that's why we have pets, right? 
Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm seeing exactly. your cat walking around, so I'm like, oh, yeah. it struck me. <laughs> That's why we have them. Of course, they are the right? pure essence of unconditional love. But we all want unconditional love, and there's only one caveat, one way we can get it. It's by being imperfect. There's no other way, because if we were perfect, we are the love that we want would not be unconditional. It would be based on the condition of being perfect. So we all want the same thing, but most of us are not willing to be imperfect, but we want unconditional love. So there's the conflict right there. So once we start to look at, well, for me to get unconditional love, I need to be imperfect. And here's the, the truth is that it's not even be imperfect. We are imperfect. That's how we are made. And it's in that imperfection that we get to really know who we are. The, the number one thing that I've learned about self-love is that to love yourself, you have to like yourself. Mm. To like yourself, you have to know yourself. And to know yourself, you have to be yourself. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in a, in a culture where I was told by my mother, by my friends, by, my, by the media, by magazines, by partners, by uh, boyfriends or husbands, pretty much everyone that I'd met, I was told, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't think that. Don't dress like that. You're going to go out like that. So every, uh, you know, every experience I had, and we're not going to say everyone because we have that negativity bias, right? It's, it's built within us. We remember one good thing and we remember 10 bad things and it's for our own survival. But I remember all of the ways that I was invalidated emotionally by saying, don't be that. So what ended up happening was I didn't know who I was. And I think a lot of people can relate. You know, we, we set this huge standard, love yourself. But I, my, my question is, who is it that I'm loving? I don't even know myself. And if you can relate, if you're watching and you can relate, how do you love someone you don't know? So that's where we begin. I think that what we're saying here is that start with what you know. Mm -hmm. And what you know is the you you see in front of you, the you in mm -hmm. front of the mirror, the person who you see every day. And this person, minus the makeup, minus the illusions you create in the world, the lovely dresses you wear or the outfits or whatever else you do, who strip all that off, and that's me. And that's me without, with all my flaws. That's me with all my, just, I'm just who I am, right? And now the question is, to love myself with exactly being the way I am. And to me, that's the whole challenge of unconditional love. I think that there is no other kind of love other than unconditional love. That is to say that that is its very nature, the nature of love. If it is conditional, then I believe it is not love. And that if it is unconditional, then it is love. But unconditional is not this difficult, complex, massively crazy thing to do. It's not something you will, only great people can do. That's a myth. Unconditional love is simply about acceptance. I accept myself as I am. And the moment I say that, and maybe I need to say it for my, to myself a number of times a day, I accept myself as I am. Now, 
I simply love myself with all my flaws, with all my mistakes, with all the silly things I've done or can do or will do, with all my imperfections, the little you know flaws I might have on my face or in my eyes or on my hair, my my you know body not being quite right and my my temperament or my temper or whatever else it is that I do that is not acceptable to others, I accept that. I can work on it. I can always try to improve it. But I first begin by accepting it. So perhaps acceptance is the doorway to unconditional love. And then from there, we can get to a a real standard of self-love based upon just what is. I love that. And I think for a lot of people, this idea of acceptance seems really, really far away. You know, and and it's and it, the the external is one thing for sure. You know, the external is how do I you know accept all these external flaws? I don't think that that's the only thing that people struggle with. I think there's a lot of internal things that no one can see, right? It, it's it's not just. I mean, obviously the the external stuff is huge. You're absolutely right. But what do we do with all the internal stuff? What do we do with the shame? What do we do with the guilt? What do we do with the regrets and the remorse and the anxiety and the the fear and the rumination? I mean, these things are invisible. So right. a lot of times people right. think, well, how do I fix what I cannot even see? It's all inside of me. And I remember I must have been 12 years old when I first realized I have this magic box in my head where all my thoughts go. And all my feelings go and I just lock it up and nobody can see it. And my life became, you know, this, all this stuff in my head that no one could see. And you start having this internal reality and it doesn't match your external reality. We could look and behave a certain way on the outside and feel completely different on the inside, right? You've heard the fake it till you make it. Well, what if we never make it? Maybe we should take it up in the next episode. You know, we've started with the external And now it's time to dive into the internal. So let's keep that for our next episode. And we look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Thanks for being here. Sounds great. We'll see you next time. Thank you. 